I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. the fangirls on jackalope radio hey everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the fangirl radio show i'm your host jessica dwyer and with me tonight as always is my cohort in crime which i know you hate me saying that but i'm going to do it anyway Ren i am not a <laughs> so uh tonight's episode is going to be a special one um we're going to have a special guest from uh we 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 tried to get Fame Jansen, and uh, unfortunately, her uh, schedule did not prom, uh, let us uh, make that happen. But we do have with us Monique Ganderton, who is Fame's uh, stunt double in Hansel and Gretel. And if you have seen the film, which you should, um, at this point, um, you really should see it. It's it's out on Blu-ray right now. You can get it on uh, Netflix. Uh, you can get it at Redbox. It's all over. And it's also available on Blu-ray 3D. Uh, but you should totally check it out. And if you've seen it and you know just how much stuff goes down with Fink in the movie, uh, this gal took all the hits for her. And she's done some awesome, awesome films and done stunt work in um, just a ton of different genre stuff. Like she was in Tron Legacy, 30 Days of Night, Dark Days. She was in the Twilight Saga. Um she was in Watchmen. She was uh, in the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. I mean, she has been, if you go on IMDb and take a look at her uh, list of credits and, and the stunt work that she has done, it is sort of ridiculous. Um, and she's only 32. And uh, so, I'm sorry, Ghostly Amanda just told me I'm mispronouncing her name. It's Famka. Sorry. Um <laughs> But you know we, what? We, we not, talked about figuring out that out before the show, and now I'm talking to her. Yeah, I would. Well, she probably would have told me. And then Famke, Famke it's like Jansen. Phoenix Power. Famke Famke She's freaking gorgeous. She is beautiful, and uh, Monique is not bad looking either, and that is why she's able to double her. And a uh, girl is five foot ten inches tall. She's a tall chick. Um, oh. So anyway, we're going to be talking to Monique uh, tonight, and I can't wait because she also was in one of my all-time favorite films ever, ever. The A-Team. Ha, ha, ha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I could ask her, is, is Charlotte Copley actually that cute? And, and she can tell me. Um, which I've already seen in person, so it doesn't matter. Speaking of Charlotte Copley, um, uh, next week... Uh, we will be talking to a couple of people that uh, have worked on a wonderful film that he is in called Europa Report. And one of them, um, I'm sure a lot of the Walking Dead peeps out there are going to be uh, interested in, and that's Bear McCready. Yeah. Yay. 
the man who created that awesome, awesome soundtrack uh, for that show. And also, we will be talking to the director of Europa Report, which I know I'm going to cry when I finally see it. I'm going to be seeing it um, probably tomorrow. Uh, But just by the trailers, I could tell bad things happened to my little man, and I'm not going (laughs) to be okay with it at all. Um, I just can't wait to see it because of everything I've learned about Europa. It's such an exciting moon. I really, really want to see how closely they're going to stick to the modern understandings of what it's probably made of. uh, And we know that that they worked on this film. They actually worked with NASA and all these space agencies to make sure that it was was, uh, as authentic as they could make it. So it, it, it has been, they worked hand in hand with like NASA and and SETI people and all this stuff that to make sure that this film was as uh, authentic a uh, film as it could be with it being still science fiction. So cool. I'm really, really excited about seeing it, even though... And if anybody doesn't know why Europa is so exciting, in very, very brief, Europa is a moon of Jupiter, and since Jupiter is so big, its gravitational forces actually warm the moon by squishing it and squashing it because it's being pushed in by, well, pulled in by gravity. It's covered in ice, but it very likely has a water ocean underneath, liquid water ocean underneath, which is so which cool. Which means life. Which means life. Quite possibly. Life. Quite possibly. Right. So um, we will have uh, Bear McCree and we will have Sebastian Cordia. Cordero, Sebastian Cordero, who is the director of this film, and I can't wait to talk to both of them, um, especially Bear, who, you know, he's just, man, the dude can make music for stuff, and it is so much fun, and um, I just can't wait, and I can't wait to talk about this movie, because we don't know really what goes down, we just know bad things happen from the trailer, and... um, it just looks really interesting, and uh, is it life that they discover? What happens in all of this? So it's it's going to be a, a fun time, and I can't wait to see it um, and share with you our thoughts on it as well. So uh, that will be next week's show, and hopefully we'll be getting Mr. Copley at some point. Woo! If not... This movie what I'll have it. to do on that episode is translate what you're saying through all the sobs of <laughs> for Mr. Copley. <laughs> she loves you and she will have your baby. A-team. <laughs> I loved you in A-team. That's what she said. Yes, that was a preview of the Charles Copley episode. <laughs> Um, so moving on to, uh, actual things that we should be talking about. Um, we, uh, the Emmy ballots were sent out, uh, this week, uh, for, and I actually wanted to talk very briefly about it because, um, I was sort of surprised because you know that with, with what Netflix is doing, um, with their original programming, they have series like, you know, Arrested Development just came out this year and the Hemlock Grove came out this year. They actually have actors from those shows that aren't on network television listed that you can vote for on the Emmy ballots. Oh, that's intriguing. And I did not think that would be the case, but sure enough, um, for the comedy categories, uh, 
you have Jason Bateman and for drama, um, Bill Skarsgård is listed. So you, it, it's actually interesting to me. I couldn't, I, I guess, you know, this new, I, and I'm surprised because I don't know, um, I was looking through the list. They're really lengthy. If you can actually go on the Emmys website and pull up the, um, the, the ballots to look at them. I, I don't believe you can vote for them yourself because you're not a member of the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, but you can look at what they're going to be looking at and voting on. And like, there's a hundred or more people per category and, and the acting categories, oh my God. but I, yeah, it, it's a very huge list that you have to go through and you have to pick um, who you want and I was going through it and just seeing this. And, of course, you know, you've got Gabriel Byrne up there for Vikings and Billy Burke for, like, Revolution. They're all in alphabetical order. And I was trying to figure out, um, I was going through the list to see if Kevin Spacey was up for um, for House of Cards. And he is. And uh, if, you know, I'm sorry, but honestly, out of all of these guys, and I love many of them and just in the in the actor category alone kevin spacey should win for house of cards because that was one of the best things i've watched all year was that series and i i marathoned it and um so if you still haven't watched house of cards on netflix get your ass in gear um they actually uh just released it i believe on blu-ray so, which is another interesting thing. They actually have released a Netflix original series on DVD. So, it's kind of interesting how this stuff is starting to kind of take, o- take over, which is what they were planning on doing. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's happened. You know, Netflix, mm-hmm. online original programming is becoming the thing. And didn't it start with uh, Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog? Well, that was kind of different it was a kind of you're kind of right it that was an original thing that um was being released uh i think over a course of a uh one week you get a new one uh a new part to it i'm it's kind of trickling back to me right now they made a, a its own category for that didn't they and so this would be different this would be actually um you know Everything. including the programming yeah. of uh, you know that occurs online and on Netflix or whatever, in the same categories as things that occur on television. Right. This has, yeah, House of Cards is on there with CSI, with um, with HBO. Okay. Yeah. So it's not like they're not putting it in its own category. It's actually in amongst the rest yeah. of the stuff. That is exciting. That's kind of yeah. cool. That's yeah. very forward thinking of them. Yeah, outstanding lead actor in a drama series. There was no specifics on what sort, you know, what what it aired on. Now the Cable Ace Awards is probably going to be different, of mm. course. I, they're not going to include this, but the Emmys um, are actually including online programming, and I think that's pretty awesome. Uh, so, speaking of HBO, we'll move along to. Dun, dun, da, da, dun, dun, da, da, dun. <laughs> Game of Thrones, yes. which um, I was, I made no bones about online. I was very disappointed with how unthrilling in comparison. But they did this last year too with their finale. This the the episode before the finale, the season finale was the the far more action packed of the two. Um, but um, I believe the episode was called Misha, and 
the biggest badass thing in this episode, at least to me, besides Charles Dance just glaring at his crazy ass nephew and or um, I'm sorry, grandson and <laughs> and the king is tired. <laughs> uh, the king needs to go to bed, you know, he and, and it, he, he does that great thing where you see that little twitch in his jaw like I, can't, oh. I want to kill you. I want you dead. Oh, and yeah. That was a great scene, and then the but after that was him basically telling Tyrion, uh, "You are, are lucky. The the thing I did, your favor I did to for you was I didn't murder you at birth. I didn't walk into the sea with you as an infant. Good yeah, Lord. and that was before he even knew that he would that that, that the baby would grow up to be a half man." Right. Which I can only say that's not that's not derogatory. That's what they call him in the show, so don't jump on me. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's uh, that's a pretty big favor, right? And uh, I I was just I, I the one thing I can't get over though, kind of flashing back to the Emmy Award nominations, is the fact that I don't think Carol's Dance was nominated. Now. I don't think- had enough screen time. I mean, he's been well, great. Well, even as a, as a, as a I, I don't know if there's an outstanding supporting actor in a drama series, um, but it, I, I'm just amazed by that because he does so well and Dinklage was nominated again. Yeah. Um, but, but I'm just amazed that Charles Dance did not get any love this year and, and just because well. He steals every scene he's in, and he doesn't really move that much. Yeah. Like it's all those eyes, and and he is just that good. You know, he is just that. I good. have a feeling though things are really going to come to a head in that family next season. So I think he'll have his chance. Uh, I think you might be right. <laughs> As I have read the books, I think you might oh. be right. <laughs> oh, good. Maybe just a little. <laughs> But I, yeah, um, um, he I was not. Really, I didn't, wasn't disappointed with it at all. I mean, it wasn't, uh, you know, stand up and scream at your TV, but then I haven't really done that at a lot of the episodes. I did it last episode, of course, because... I think you, you know, and everybody else. Did, yeah. um, but no, I enjoyed it a lot. I, I, re- I liked this as a minor thing, but for some reason it was really fun to see two of these disparate little groups of characters actually meet. So Sam Tarly uh, meeting up with um, Bran and Rickon and and and, and Sam John, immediately and recognizing John. them because of the direwolf and that was fantastic. I liked that. Well, um, the thing with John was funny to me. I, I loved Igret just shooting full him. of arrows, <laughs> but uh, I did like the whole nod to uh, it, there was just no subtleness at all with Sam. You know, it's like please just call him Frodo. Come oh, on! Yeah. <laughs> it was just such a Lord of the Rings moment there, <laughs> and you were there, and you were there. <laughs> yeah, really. Oh, the only part that felt a little weird to me, and like I kind of know why you can't do a proper scene like this. It was the very last scene with Daenerys when she walks down into the crowd. It was really, really overwhelming to me because it felt really staged. Like nobody. Nobody properly body rushed. Like, like when something like crazy like that happens where you've got like a messiah figure in the middle of a crowd of people you've just freed, 
it will get really crazy. And that's why they probably wouldn't let it happen, because they have a star actress in the middle of a bunch of people. The worst thing you want is a crushing stampede. But what you got instead was something that didn't feel like they were actually very excited and so you have that pa- that pull-up shot, you know, crane shot with all of these people crowding around her. But they they look like they're milling around before a concert starts and, like, nothing's really going on. Well, and I think I, a lot of that was probably course. CG, too. I think there was a lot well, of, of CG in there that scene, of course. There wasn't that many people but... actually there, but there, there was enough that it could have been... It's that kind of exhilaration and fear of, like, there's this amazing person in this crowd, but, oh, my God, they're getting so close. But, you know... And they all want to touch her, and they all want to see her. But there was none of that kind of like crushing excitement because uh, they just couldn't. They couldn't do that to that actress, which was well. Depressing. And and the other part, and the other thing with that that I didn't like was the fact that they'd already ended just about like uh, at least one other season very similarly, where it's a Daenerys is a Messiah scene. Actually, and I decided to call her Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> I like that. I, I like that. Yeah, that's a that's good. That's a good one. Yeah, I um, I, I no though, but you can't. I mean, there's really no way you're unless they had. Well, and the other thing I, before I I start bitching and moaning anymore. <laughs> um, I well, I am gonna bitch and moan. I I thought we could have done a little bit more with the whole Jamie comes back to Cersei scene. Yeah, it, I wanted. I, 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 yeah, and she just sat there, and then he's like, "Oh, was the hand? Was that really, Cersei? Are you gonna miss that one hand that much?" Yeah, <laughs> the look at the hand was um, the reason Pitiful. why the look at the hand was weird is because that became the only thing we could read out of the whole scene. Like, I know why they didn't give us her reaction. We're supposed to wait all whatever many months to see whether she's happy or angry. But really, it probably would have been even more fun for us to know at least a hint of what her reaction was going to be. Like, not the full-blown thing, but just the shadow of an expression on her face would have given us so much more to think about. And instead, we've just got them standing in the same room with each other with virtually no energy. um, Jamie kind of shuffling on his feet and looking weird. um, But, yeah, so Game of Thrones... I, I I want see this season was sort of a hit and miss season more miss than hit. Oh, um, I disagree. I I I just felt like solid eights and nines all the way. Well, here's here's the thing, they've sliced down so uh, enough of the cast that I think next season <laughs> will be a little bit more precise on 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 who it's focusing on. I really want more Arya. I want I loved her stuff with the Hound. Yeah, more Arya. Um, I thought that was great that he snuck the knife out and, and his, his reaction was epic. <laughs> yes. What was that thing she said though? I've completely forgotten what the significance of the thing she's like Valamogulas or something like that. What was the significance of that? Do you um, remember? Oh God. No. After, after the, they're all dead and she stands there looking at her bloody hand or the bloody knife or something like that. And she says Valamogulas. Which I think might have been with the shape shifting assassin. Yeah, I think that was that. Because see, I think what. Well, this is kind of spoilery, but. Oh no! All right, I won't say nothing, Jesus. Uh, But but, um, I I love that scene, and I really like the hounds' reaction, and I almost hope, and I I I can't I can't remember. 
um, exactly what I've heard happens with him and the stories. It's probably not good. Everybody is sad. Everybody dies horribly. Um, but, uh, uh, I really, I kind of, I'm kind of a mind of like, I would love to have the Aria and the Hound show and just, you know, it was sort of like the Jamie and Brienne show. I yeah. would love to have the two of them going around killing people. I think it would be great. Um, but yeah, so we'll see. I, I think next season it's going to ramp up because I know there's some juiciness coming mm-hmm. and, um, a lot of juiciness. The thing that I wish had happened didn't at the end of the episode what i wanted it to the final scene to be and i guess it's just it it, the time wise it wouldn't have worked was what i know happens with someone that we think is dead oh and i wanted sean bean please say it's sean bean no it's not sean bean Ah. um close um, but, uh, I would have loved for that kind of like at the end of the Hobbit where we have the eyeball open of smog, which I knew was going to happen somehow. I knew that was going to be the final scene. Um, which by the way, trailer, holy oh, shit. Oh, so good. Oh God. Come take me, Lee Pace. Take me to your elven kingdom. Uh, I mean, Christ on a cracker for serious. That guy. I mean, that's, I can't even, like, I can't even, I am unable to even, because OMG, like, get on Twitter, I mean, the Tumblers, get on the Tumblers, and there is Did you see the picture of, of, of I posted love. of the, it was called, I think, the, um, the audience, and it was him on a throne, someone had painted this thing, I'll have to post it on Fangirl, yes, um, this p- painting of him on a th- on the elven throne with Loki bowing. Oh God, nice. And 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 it's beautiful, and it looks whoever did that, bravo. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but, it's, I mean, I'm stunned because with the exception of the of the like ice blonde hair, that is literally my exact picture in my head of Thranduil when I read the book. Like that is him. That is oh, seriously him. And the voice, he's got... Yes, quite. That. I'll translate from Rennie's. Thank you. That, <laughs> she is quite happy with the tone of Lee Pace. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> that, that, is, that is called joy. Um, speaking of the tone, we'll move on to one thing that we have to talk about, which was Hannibal. The last episode, which I'm sure Ren didn't get to see because she I still got to catch up. I have She's... to catch them up, but you know what? All of the all of the pictures on Tumblr for Hannibal are so funny. Like, <laughs> oh god! I, some the Fanables yeah. have taken over. The Fanables have so taken funny. over Tumblr. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but uh, yeah, you got it. If you are a fan of, of Hannibal at all, seriously, get on the Tumblrs because they're your family. And, and it's funny because apparently. Tumblr doesn't know what happened in regards to this because the Tumblr people were so stuck on their three, which was Sherlock, Supernatural, and Who, Doctor Who. Then the Hannibal people came on and they're kind of like, what the hell? Who are you guys? We're the Fanables and we're here to eat you. And and that's pretty much it. Everything turns into a cannibal joke or uh, Hannibal is in love with Will joke. Yes, and uh, they've totally went that route. That's not a big surprise. Uh, so, r- I believe it's Roti 
is the name of the episode, and I'm probably completely butchering it because all the episodes are some weird foreign name food name that I don't know how to pronounce. <laughs> but it's it's R O T I, R O T I, and the O has this uh, this pointing triangle thing uh, above. I have no so, idea. R O T I is like bread. It's just what you would eat with like a Malaysian curry or something. So that. I, please feel free to, to tell me I'm saying it wrong. But this episode, it, it seems like every episode they go out of their way to gross you out more. And I, God knows, the la- I think it's the finale is this week. And I don't know what more they can do. I can't believe they got away with what they got away with. The only clip on I've seen season. recently is the guy whose neck was cut so far that he pulled the tongue out of the mouth the, through the, the neck I believe and hang it down like a cravat. Yeah, he, they did that to th- like at least two people in this episode. And what's even grosser is the... F- uh, by the way, that's called a Colombian necktie. Oh, it's got um, a name! It's got a name. They're real. They, people do that. But the thing that was just so disgusting, and, and th- this was disgusting thing number one, yeah. was... And, and by the way, uh, Dr. Gideon, Abel Gideon, who is the character that... Um, uh, Eddie Izzard played is the one that did all this. His character escapes because his doctor has him convinced that he was the Chesapeake um, Ripper. Mm-hmm. And it turns out, you know, the Chesapeake, all of us know it's Hannibal, but they, the, the Dr. Chilton, who's a complete scumbag convinces Gideon that he's the one that did it. What you're not supposed to do is completely unethical. And, 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 and he's just trying, you know, we all know that, that, that uh, Chilton's a complete scumbag and he's trying to make a name for himself. And he gets his comeuppance in this episode. Uh, even though we know later on he really gets his comeuppance via Hannibal. <laughs> but um, in this episode, Dr. Gideon gets out and he goes and starts killing off all of the psychologists that have been, that have had part of his um, treatment. And that this one particular scene with the the guy with the Colombian necktie, I fr- I went ah when I watched it because when he walk the 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 reporter walks into the room and sees the guy and sees Eddie Izzard standing behind him, the tongue wiggles. It wiggles. Ah! It wiggles. It wiggles just a bit. And it's like, oh God, he's still alive. Oh, oh, fuck. <laughs> you know? um, and there's a slight, slight the more wiggle. I know about it. The more I am absolutely stunned that it is on television. Uh, this I could not believe, and it gets worse. This episode, this episode is just like the penultimate. I can't. I don't know what they're gonna do on the finale because this <laughs> one, this one was so so sick. And what's even more hilarious is the fact that the one thing, the one person that I think Hannibal kills in this episode, you don't even see him doing it. This is all Eddie Izzard, baby. This mm-hmm. is Eddie Izzard's episode. And the, and the thing that's so bad about it is Eddie Izzard's doc, his doctor, Abel Gideon, is a surgeon. So he knows how to do this stuff perfectly. And um, so what happens is he gets Dr. Chilton and he keeps him alive and conscious while he, and he makes a comment to the effect of, it's amazing how many organs can be removed in a human body and it still function and live. Good night. And so he starts playing, basic, 
operation oh, man. Um, with this man and, and, and the, the reporter, Freddie Lowndes, who was in this, um, he's kidnapped her along for the ride and she's having to keep him breathing. He's like, you're going to keep the respirations going so he doesn't, his heart doesn't stop. So she's got like the bag and she's having to keep him alive and she's stuck there keeping this man alive while he's holding his own organs. Oh, and hey, it's, I don't know if I want to watch this show. It's so crazy. It's so wrong and I don't know how they get away with it. I really, really don't. A lot so, of people will be watching it. Um, but it is amazing and you really, really need to watch it. It's so good. Um, so yes, uh, Hannibal and it got renewed and on top of all of that our two boys Mads Mickelson and um Mr uh the Mr allow me to make sure I get his name right so I don't screw it up uh but the sure you don't screw it up yeah um uh the guy that plays Will Graham Hugh Dancy who's very cute and Mm -hmm. uh adorable and you just want to hug him and say it's going to be okay uh they are both on those emmy nomination lists and and also this thursday so tonight after you've listened to me ramble about hannibal um it's pretty awesome uh brian fuller and um quite a few of the people that are uh, attached to hannibal tweet live while the show's on Oh, that's fun. And 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 fr- on both coasts, so East Coast and West Coast, you both get to chat with them while it's on, and they do reply and they do retweet, and I've had it happen, and so it's it's pretty awesome. And they and there's some funny stuff that happens, and and uh, fans are um, they'll retweet fan responses if you do certain hashtags, and it's pretty great. It's like watching the show with a bunch of your friends. Nice. And uh, and it's pretty cool that Brian Fuller's on there. He loves this, and they're actually doing a big Hannibal Emmy push with this one. Um, so I I really you know Mads Mikkelsen and and Hugh Dancy, God, they're just nailing these characters. So I would love to see them get like full on nominations on the Emmys. It would be really great. Uh, so please um, watch Hannibal this Thursday tonight. Actually, watch Hannibal tonight. Get on Twitter. And tweet along with them because it's a lot of fun and it's such a great show. Uh, so please check that out. Um, and before we get to our interview, which I know we're getting ready to run out of time, uh, I wanted to add real quick. Uh, right now on Amazon, as well as at Best Buy and BestBuy.com, um, my Best Buy used to have the Criterion Blu-rays. I don't know if they still do. I haven't noticed them lately. So it kind of concerns me. They may not carry them in store anymore, but they do have them on the website. But right now, Amazon.com is having this crazy, and it's been going on for a while, and I hope as when this episode airs that it's still going on. Uh, they are having a crazy Criterion Blu-ray sale. And uh, you go on there right now, for example, the Repo Man Criterion Collection uh, Blu-ray, which is amazing. Uh, great collection uh, that they have. But this one specifically, Badlands, Godzilla, uh, On the Waterfront. These movies are only $20 right now. Uh, their, their list price, their, their, the MSRP on these is typically fifth, or $40 to $50. Right now, you can get them for half price. Nice. 
and they're really worth it. And the cool thing is if you buy two, you get free shipping because Ooh. anything over $25 is free shipping. So if you buy two movies, you're getting two movies for the price of one, plus it's free shipping. And uh, I, I would have to suggest if you're going to pick some up, um, I love Badlands. Badlands is one of them that is $20. It's one of the, uh, it's a Terrence Malick film based on the real um, life story of Carol Starkweather, who was um, one of the uh, serial killers during the 19, he was a serial killer in the 1950s that took his underage girlfriend with him on a rampage. And in this uh, movie, it's beautifully shot, stars my, uh, Martin Sheen and Sissy Spacek. And it's, it's super, some, super. It's some good a, stuff. Yeah. On the, water, if, on the waterfront, that's half off. Medium cool, half off. Seven Samurai, half off. Yeah. Yeah, that's a hell of a sale. Badlands, yeah, and, Brazil. Oh, I'm going to get Brazil. Yeah, and, and the other one that you really should uh, check out if you haven't, besides Godzilla, which is great, um, one of my favorite films of all time, and it's only $20, and it's beautiful. And I have this Blu-ray, I love this Blu-ray, is the Jean Cocteau Beauty and the Beast, and it's only 20 bucks. The, um, and, and it's the one with that amazing makeup um, that Jean Marais um, has on, that his ears actually move, he talks with the fangs. Um, wow. It's only $20, and you really should pick it up. It's a beautiful classic. I just uh, went to Amazon.com, and I just typed in Criterion Collection. I didn't do anything else. And there is 20 pages of these yeah. things on sale. Yeah. That's a big sale. Yeah. And, and it's half price. It's, it's ridiculous. It, it, like, like, the on the waterfront is typically $50, and it's $24 right now. Mm -hmm. Seven Samurai, typically 50 yeah. bucks. They're all half price. And these are just brilliant, amazing collection. The, the whole thing is just so gorgeous. They do such good work. The extras are ridiculous that you get on these. Mm -hmm. um, there's only a few that I'm disappointed with what the, the extras are. But other than that, the quality that they do. Um, another good one that you really should check out is Videodrome. That one is one of the best that they do that they have they have done um which is the uh cronenberg flick that the extras on it are ridiculous they've actually got all um a ton of the clips that are part of the the eerie creepy station that is within the in the movie you actually can watch them nice. and and they have um a thesis like a essay that was written on uh about this movie uh, it it it's just crazy. Some of these are so great. <laughs> I just saw one that I thought would be really popular on the uh, on Tumblr. I thought it said early Fastbender, but it actually a collection of early Fastbender. It's actually Fastbender. It's a totally different dude. So that would have been really <laughs> exciting. Early, a lot of Fastbender movies. I would have um, the other one that's on here, too, is uh, Rosemary's Baby is only $20. Oh, my God. There's so much stuff on here. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You can, it's like 132 pages. If you put Criterion Collection in, you're going to get uh, the ones that aren't Blu-ray. But the most, for the most part, everything that is regular, you can get on the Blu-ray, too. And they're all on sale. Like, the Royal Tenenbaums is 20 bucks. I love the Royal Tenenbaums. So, and Naked Lunch is $20. I mean, they're all, it, it, we've, we've, we've established it's classics. a great thing. I just, there's The Great Dictator, which is a fantastic Charlie Chaplin movie. Mm -hmm. I wish you hadn't That's, told me about this because I already spent my money this week. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm really not because I'm going to borrow them from her. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, there, there's this, you can spend like an entire night just going through this and spending all your money. Uh, but anyway, I wanted to let God, you all know about that. Um, you should probably jump on it now because I don't know how long it's going to be still going on. They also have the blob too. Just Yay, the blob. The original blob, <laughs> Steve McQueen fighting Jello. So what with a- that, um, we're going to, uh, go on to our, um, our, uh, interview this week and i want to thank you guys for uh listening we probably won't be back after the interview so uh once again uh thank you again for joining us and next week we're gonna hopefully have for you some great europa report stuff and we will talk about uh superman because or i'm sorry man Man of steel i keep calling it superman um but it's it is superman um so with that um here is our interview with monique ganderton and we will talk to you next week Thank you, and goodbye. So um, with us tonight is Monique Ganderton. She is an awesome stunt woman in the industry and has been in basically, if you've seen a genre flick in the last, oh, I would say five or six, seven years, um, she's probably been in it getting beat up. And uh, uh, I want to thank you for joining us tonight um, because you're here to talk about Hansel and Gretel, which I absolutely love, Hansel and Gretel, Rich Hunters. And uh, you doubled for... um, uh, and I'm, I always say her name wrong. It's Fomk. Is it Fomk Jansen? Fomka. I see. I Fomka always Jansen. do. <laughs> I always do that. I'm so sorry. I, I apologize to her wherever she is right yeah. now. Um, but uh, I she can beat me up because she's very tall, like you are. And that is why you double her. She is very tall, and I love her for that. <laughs> But um, what I wanted to talk to you about, um, first off, is uh, you've probably been asked this a, a ton of times, but uh, just for any of the listeners out there that we have, especially the, the girls that want to get into this industry, how did you start mm-hmm. in the stunt business and what sort of training did you need? Because I read some of your bio and it seems almost like you kind of fell into it, but um, I, can you uh, go uh, talk yeah, about that? It's, you know, it's. It's so different for everybody. Like, you ask any some person, they all have a completely different um, path into the industry. For me, I grew up in Edmonton, Alberta, in Canada, so I had no idea that you could actually work in movies. Like, I knew you make movies, but I had no idea what the jobs were, and just not something I grew up with. But being from Canada and very outdoorsy and was really athletic growing up, so I had that. Then I moved to Toronto. I started modeling, and I, I moved to Toronto for a little while, and was doing that and taking acting classes because, you know, there was a little bit more of an industry out there. So I was trying to take some acting classes and mm-hmm. ended up booking some jobs on some local TV shows, which I'm very tall. So mostly like <laughs> Tops or some Alien or a Mutant, like all these, these types of things. And <laughs> a lot of those roles required some action. And so I'd have a stunt double, but I'd meet the stunt coordinators and, you know, they, they would have me try to do as much as I could and were impressed by my natural athletic abilities, I suppose. So um, they started talking to me about, you know, maybe you want to do stunts because there was no really, not very many tall stunt girls at the time. Uh-huh. So they they kind of um, told me where to go and where to, basically, this is hard to say, let's see. They said, go watch the movies and go to a park and just try to do those things you see in movies. So like, <laughs> if someone trips and falls down, go trip and fall down at the park. Go, like, 
you know, run into a door and take a reaction or, you know, punch leaves because they're like, you won't be punching people for real. So punching a punching bag is a waste of time. Go outside and kick and punch leaves or balloons. And it was, a, I was a gong show for a little bit. At the park by myself in Toronto, 19 years old, trying to kick and punch leaves and do rolls over top of cables and things like that. So, you know, that you do take gymnastics classes and you can take martial arts, but ultimately, you know, what I learned is that you, you just emulate what you see in movies because you're not going to have big stunt mats and, you know, the bouncy floor and all that stuff. You're going to have concrete or gravel or maybe a lawn if you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> really so soft grass. That's, that's where my training came from. Was running that's... around like a lunatic in a park and falling down. So and, and trying did, to make it look natural. Did they give you any pointers on like how to fall? Because that's the thing I always am in awe of is when people like in, in Hansel and Gretel, Muriel's character, the Muriel character just gets knocked around like crazy. And how do you learn oh my God, to fall? Everyone got beat the crowd by a <laughs> um, you know what? When you go to when you go to a, a parking garage or something like that and you fall down on concrete 20 times in a row, you're going to learn really quickly what works and what doesn't. And, um, you know, that's basically it. Like, you either have, like, you have that ability to, to sort of save your body but act like it's hurting more and, like, maybe add a little extra bounce to, like, your head and things like this that you, you know, it's just physical acting, wilts falling and trying to make it look like, you did it, you know, it was an accident, but you you know everything that your body is doing. And it's kind of a tricky thing. So um, there's some people are really good at it, and some people just need a lot of practice at it. I needed, you know, I definitely took my time practicing, that's for sure. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, just one of those things that has to come kind of natural to you. I think a lot of skateboarders have it because they're, you know, they're constantly falling on concrete, you know, how to save themselves or things like right. that like anyone that's been kind of raised in a sport where you just have to like take a bail and I used to show jump horses so I had a yeah. lot of a lot of time flying through the air as a child through a fence <laughs> and things like that nice. so I learned how to tuck and roll pretty quick well and and just specifically on this film how was it to film this because you said a lot of people got I had actually talked to Zoe Bell Oh, last year, I think it was when they were, when she had been done filming with this, uh, and she was even saying it was a rough, rough film to, to film on because the prosthetics and it just, was. you're getting knocked around by trees and, and all that. Yeah. I mean, it was one of those movies that I probably had the most fun on this movie than any other movie because of the, just the people. Like I got to work with my boyfriend. I got to work with Zoe, who's amazing. And Tommy Ricola, we got to be in Berlin, which is one of my favorite places now. Um, but then on the flip side of that, yeah, you're in full prosthetics. It's hot out. It's dirty. You're sweating because you're doing so much, you know, activities, athletic activities. And it was, it was definitely challenging in that, in that sense. And then we're doing stunts that, you know, these guys have come up with. And I've worked with, with uh, Dave Leach and Sam Hargrave, who's my boyfriend, who's uh, the fight choreographer a lot of times. And, they like to go big, make it look hard, and just make it fun. And so there was there was a lot of times where I was like, "Oh my god, this is gonna this is gonna hurt." <laughs> this is gonna 
<laughs> but you know what? They were right, and everything looked so good. Like, Zoe did this wicked, um, she was doubling one of the girls, and she did this dead man, which is basically, they, like, have her on a wire flying, and then it's when Jeremy hits hits the witch out of the air. It's a mm-hmm. red, horned witch. And she was doubling, and she just cakes it so hard to the ground. I'm like, oh, my God, this is so fun. So <laughs> I love that. That, that was one of my favorites. I I absolutely love this movie. I love the fact. Now, because it was in 3D, was there anything different that you all had to do for the stunts in terms of of filming? Was it was there any technical differences for this? Um, I don't remember for the for doing the stunt stuff particularly in 3D, but um, there is. I mean, there were some special shots that Tommy had in his mind, which would be, you know, like a a sword or something coming at camera something whipping at the camera, which we really had to set up for. Um, I know when I, I played the Candy Witch, the opening uh, old haggard witch in the, mm-hmm. <laughs> the opening sequence, and so that was all in, you know, in uh, 3D. So it was just the cameras were, everything had to be very specific about where to, you know, where your performance goes into and trying to get, you know, get those shocking moments right into the camera in the correct way. So The right kind of flail. Longer, but... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Old witch hair is like whipping through the scene at the right time. <laughs> it, yeah, it was uh, it was fun. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, with uh, one thing, I wanted to to check. I, I saw your your bio and 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 just all the work you've done. You've done so much genre stuff like sci fi and horror. Is there a difference between if you know you're going into a horror movie and or into a science fiction film? Do you do something you know like I guess research wise when you're going into it for whatever kind of work you know what you're getting into for that specific genre? I think you just kind of roll, roll with it. I mean, I know when I'm I'm doing a horror movie, everything's a little bit more serious, I suppose. Mm-hmm. You're trying to, you know, you're trying to scare people. You're trying to find the the shocking factor, and and so I think naturally your movement and and like especially if, if you're acting in it, for example, you're sort of maybe things are a little bit slower, and like you have to help help get it, you know, build up the creepiness and and things like that. Whereas in you know in the sci-fi. No, I mean, I don't know that there's there's too much too much different except there's a lot more blood, and I hate the blood. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was what I was going to ask. Is like, do you have to like get ready for the goo? That's <laughs> the good question. Oh my god! Yeah, like I have almost barked so many times on set just from like gag reflex. Like, okay, and then you're going to rip his throat out and start like gnawing on the flesh, which is going to be this. They're like, oh, it's not real. Everything's edible. I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't mean that it's not super disgusting. <laughs> you know, like just what movie thought, was like, that? Looks like someone's ear. <laughs> you know, I'm was that an underworld flick? That sounds like an underworld movie. movie. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It's disgusting. So, so, and then you're trying to act through it too. Like, oh, I'm a vampire. I'm like a zombie. I'm super excited <laughs> about this, but really inside, I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, uh, in in terms of all the directors you've worked with, because you've done like you've been in Iron Man three, you were in Cabin in the Woods, you've you've done like just I'm I'm going through the list, and I was just like I love all of this, and he's been in all of it. Which 
director do you think is the best out of all of them you've worked with when it comes to working with stunt people? Like, has the better understanding who's the better technical person for that? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, everyone's so different, and, and that's why I love working on movies. I mean, when you have... I mean, I've, Joss Whedon didn't direct um, Cabin in the Woods, but we did this, like, a featurette teaser thing, and it never got... It never went out, but it was Joss Whedon and I and a couple other people in the woods, like, running around doing this whole scene, and I love watching him work. He is, like... I don't know. He's a nerd, but he's just like, he knows exactly what he wants and he's excited about it. And, and I love that energy. So Josh Whedon is really inspiring and really cool to work with. And then, and Tommy even on this movie, and he hasn't directed a lot of stuff. You know, he's relatively a new, a new director, but he came in, he's like, nope, there's going to be more blood over here. And he's going and grabbing the blood and putting it on you. And he knew exactly what you, what he wanted from each scene, which is great because then it sort of takes that, element off of you like you trust your director you're like okay cool he's got a a vision and he's going for it and it's awesome because I'm clear with what I need to do and I think a lot of that comes from you know the writer directors so I would have to say um and Shane Black was the same way on Iron Man you know Mm. it's really cool because he he has a story in his mind you know he he wrote it and he's directing it and and it's the movie's coming together inside his head and I think that there's something to be said for people like working as a writer director. It's kind of nice and a, a little more relaxing because you're like, oh, I trust you. Okay, cool. <laughs> you know? Or you're not like, oh my God, what do I need to do to make this better? <laughs> like, what can I do? So yeah. for for the stunt, well, for the stunt person, like you brought up, the, being the writer and the director, uh, they when you have those combined, it's easier. As you as a stunt person, um, how do you prepare? Do you have to, do you go in and you read the script, I'm assuming, and you said you worked with uh, Joss on, on like that, the, the thing before the film actually came out. Um, what do you do to prepare? Because you're not always in, in front of the screen, but do you get a, a vibe of the character for what you do? Or uh, I'm always curious about that part of it. Yeah, I mean, everything's different because, it, you know, there's so many, like for me, I do so many different things in film. Like, I could be an actor with no action. I could be an actor with action. I could be a stunt person who's, like, you see my face, or I could be a stunt double. And so there's all these different, you know, elements or different ways that you can work on a movie. So when I'm doubling somebody, like, let's say I'm doubling Nicole Kidman or or Fomke Jensen, for example, Mm -hmm. I, I do read the script, but it's really, it's not my character. It's her character. And so I have a conversation with her and be like, okay, so what do you feel the movement should be or let me see what you like what you're thinking for this and then you know sometimes they have a very specific idea of how they want their character to be or they're like okay you know what I'm not really sure about this action part or should I be the kind of girl that kicks somebody or should I be the kind of girl that like slaps somebody or punches someone like you know then we can have that conversation and figure out what's the best for the character but when I'm my own character yeah, mm-hmm. then you go, you read the script, talk to the director. Like for, um, I had just a small part, but on um, on Twilight Eclipse, meeting with David Slade, like he was very like, to come to the, come into the office, let's like work through this movement, let's like get this passion going. And there was all this backstory for my character, even though it was, he was a small character, but it was important to him and it was important to me to make that that 
character believable, even though there, you know, it was an acting role, but with a lot of action, but it was also, you know, to bring that passion out. So I, I really enjoy that process as well. That's really cool. So it sounds like you're almost like a choreographer, and then you're also sort of a script supervisor in one way because you're trying to keep with the character. So there's a lot of levels there that people may yeah. not realize go into it. Yeah, I mean, I like to put, I think you should put everything into your job, like into, into what you do, trying to make it as good as possible. I, I know there's a lot of people that just show up and go, okay, what do you want me to do? But I, <laughs> I enjoy the whole process, so I, you know. Yeah, I like, like doing that. Kind of stuff. I like that's that's involved, cool. yeah. That's really really cool. And and I actually read that you know you you you're not just a stunt person like you said. You you're an actress. You you are a writer, and you just did like a short film as well that you directed, I believe, and and co-wrote and starred in. Yep. <laughs> and so that's you want to talk about yeah, that a little I, bit? Yeah, that's fun. Um, sure. I mean, it's all like. You know, we always like to, I, we, me and my boyfriend, we like to keep working when we're not working or like to push ourselves. And, and so it kind of started out just as us shooting a fight. And we couldn't find anyone to shoot it because everyone's like, oh, no, it's the weekend. I don't want to work. So we're like, well, let's just shoot it ourselves. You know, we can put the cameras up in different angles and just edit it together. And we ended up making this fight. And people were blown away by the fact that we did it with just the two of us. And so we're like, hmm, this is an interesting concept, so maybe we can make a longer short film. <laughs> <laughs> so our next one was a little bit longer. You know, it's still an action thing called Seven Layer Dip. And um, it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And it was uh, it's a really good learning experience. And I always tell this to people that get into the industry now. It's like, get out there with a camera, with an iPhone, doesn't matter, and you can actually make a movie with two people. You can make a movie with one person. You know what I mean? Like, just mm -hmm. get out there and do it and learn how to edit and really get appreciation for um, all the, the jobs that go into making a movie. Like, I'm not the best focus puller. I have astigmatism in my mind. So I figured that out when we were making our, our second short where I had to, like, do focus on Sam and half his shots of Surrey. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> So, you know, you kind of you learn to appreciate every aspect of the job um, of making a film that way. So, That's yeah, we made a couple of them. Our next one, we're going to have other people be involved because it's, it's a lot of work. It's something with just two people. Oh, sure. Well, and one thing I wanted to uh, make sure to ask you, because I know we're, we're getting ready to run out of time, but I wanted to, to, to see your take on this as a woman in the industry. With... Um, with you, you mentioned Zoe Bell, and you know movies that are showcasing more um, tough female characters, and like just female characters in general, like Hansel and Gretel did with uh, Gemma and um, Zoe Bell in Death Proof. Um, do you think that's helping getting more out there, like getting women more respect in the industry, especially stunt women, because a lot of people still don't, you know, there's. I think it's still a surprise that there's so many really badass stunt women out there to them. And I always want to, like, kind of champion that and say, no, they're really, these girls are out there getting their asses kicked, and they're taking it, like, tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think it's awesome, because Zoe is so that character. Like, when you look at her, you're just like, man, that chick, if she punches me, man, it's going to hurt. <laughs> you know, and so I, I love that she's, that she's doing that kind of stuff. But you know what? I mean, there's, 
I love doing something that has full action as well, something that taps into um, more emotion and relationships and things. Like, like, I actually really enjoy that side as well, which I think is an interesting, um, you know, it's just interesting to be a stunt person, but then you go and you do something that's completely the opposite of that, mm-hmm. which I think is very empowering because it shows that, you know, you can, you can have, the, like, do the whole spectrum. And exactly. Doing a spectrum. So, but I, I also love like the punches and Hansel and Gretel. And <laughs> like, every time she punches a guy, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, because there was a I lot of cool kicking and, butt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's awesome. I mean, it's so much fun working in a movie where you can, you can be a girl and get into fights. At the same time, I am a fan of realistic in the fights as well so I know like when um, when we come up with some of the choreography it's you know it's yeah okay a girl can just look and punch this six foot four guy and he's gonna fall down I don't think so but <laughs> you know you she could punch him like four times super fast and like get under his punch punch him in the throat kick him in the nuts and then you know <laughs> hip toss him and then you're like okay that's a little bit more believable so I enjoy um, watching movies that that sort of put that element into it so that you can have a little bit more believability because I, I do personally enjoy when a girl is uh, really small and fighting some guy that's big and it's not that believable. <laughs> so, so that's why I love watching Zoe. <laughs> oh, she, yeah, she's amazing. She is. Yeah. Well, I, I, have, well, I just personally have to ask, how was it, because... The A-Team was, like, one of my favorite movies of the year it came out. I absolutely love it. Everyone on the show, everyone that listens knows how my obsession with that movie. And I just wanted to ask you, because uh, how was it to to work on that? Because Joe Carnahan seems like he is ridiculously awesome on Twitter. And so I just like have the to. coolest guy. <laughs> yeah, he's super, super cool. Um, I didn't get to do a lot on that movie, but I... I did get to see, um, you know, Joe do his thing, and and just working on such a huge budget movie like that, it was massive. And and just to watch him, like he's just casual, and he's, you know, everyone loved him. Like when you ask, you know, when catering is like, oh my god, I love Joe. You know, you're like, okay, <laughs> this guy's got to be cool because he's he's making the time to sort of, you know, meet everyone and, and respect everybody and respect him. And and um, I think that's that says a lot about someone running a production of that scale. And so I like that. And then, you know, he's, yeah. And watching all those guys do that. I mean, Bradley Cooper, man, he's pretty cute. So it was kind of fun. <laughs> watching him do his thing and, <laughs> and watching all those, those guys do their thing. It was, it was pretty awesome. And it, it seemed like action was like pretty well, and it seemed like that was just a really cool shoot. Like everybody um, on the DVD, it showed like the behind the scenes stuff that everybody was having a great time and they all lo- got along and loved it. So it really relaxing. And I mean, they filmed it in Vancouver, which I love Vancouver. Um, I think people are happy when they work in Vancouver. It's such a cool city. And then, you know, having a, just a massive production like that be such a smooth sort of like have such a, a good director that's super casual, it's, it's nice. Because a lot of those movies get, you know, there's a lot of pressure and a lot of high stress, and, and that one was, was a little bit more fun, I think, for everyone. 
That's great. Well, Monique, I want to thank you for coming on and talking to us. I, I love finding out this stuff, like this part of the industry that um, we haven't really had a chance to talk to people about and get uh, get input from. So, And it's great that you're a woman out there doing it, and that's just amazing for us to, to talk to you. So thank you again for coming on the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. All right. Well, thank you again. And uh, Hansel and Gretel is out on Blu-ray right now. Be sure to pick it up. It is a fun, fun, great movie. And plus, you have you know, uh, Jeremy Renner in black leather, which is always nice. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just add that in. <laughs> thank yeah. you again, Monique. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Optimus Prime.